podcast of Antioch Church in Colorado Springs. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to support the work we're doing in Colorado Springs, you can give online at our website, antiochcos.com. We hope that the Lord ministers to you through this message. Jade, uh, at the end of worship, he began, he came up here and he spoke and he talked about dead dreams. Remember? Just a couple of minutes ago. Remember that? The Holy Spirit had just spoken to me during the last worship song these words. He said, people are going to begin to dream today. He said that to yes. me just before you came up and said that. So I want you to go ahead. Let's open up by saying, Father, I allow you to let me dream, to speak my dreams back, to bring my dreams back, to bring me back to life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. My relationship with Pastor Jay Duncan began with five words. I want to be broken. I've known him for 26 years, the first four months of which... Our relationship was simply that of a 16-year-old youth and his 32-year-old balding youth pastor. <laughs> I really wanted to bring a video, but I couldn't find. <laughs> I will send it, and y'all will get to see it. And it's of this, the incredible talent that's hidden within this young man and the anointing that hit both of us when we... We're left alone to practice and sing and do things. Anyhow. <clears throat> but then in a specific youth service, um, the words I want to be broken took the relationship to another level and it hasn't stopped blossoming and evolving in 26 years. We understood that phrase to mean I want my personal will to be broken and yielded to God's will. That's what we understood that phrase to mean. And I wanted to say that before I preach this morning um, because I believe that the longevity of our relationship and its mutual uh, impact on our, uh, on our families, on our marriages, and on our individual lives, and on our churches has everything to do with the multiple phases of revelation that are required to grow closer to God and mature in his kingdom and even fulfill the ultimate calls in our life. Uh, and if I could take a brief survey this morning, how many of you have ever experienced the insult or embarrassment or humiliation of some sort that has brought difficulty and pain? Oh, look, now just turn around and look, raise the hands up, keep them up there. It's, it's, a, it's a good, it's a, I'd say at least over a quarter of this congregation has experienced that. All right, let's go into some scripture for a second. Mark chapter eight, verse 22 through 25. And it says, they came to Bethsaida. Some people brought, uh, some people brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when, they had, and when he had put saliva on his eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked him, can you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I can see people, but they look like trees walking. And then Jesus laid his hands on him, uh, his eyes again. He looked intently 
and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And then he sent him away home, on his way home, saying, do not even go into the village. I love, personally, I love scriptures about Jesus healing blind people, because although those without sight, blind people, are heroes because of all that they must overcome competing in a world with sighted people, Sight can play so much of a vital part in achieving our personal callings and taking us far. One reason that those born without sight, uh, one reason is because those who are born without sight do not have the ability to dream in pictures, in images. And uh, do any of y'all, have any of you come to the place where you no longer dream? Pastor said today, you know, some of you have dreams that are dead. Your dreams are dead. And that kind of indicates perhaps there's a blindness in our life, a spiritual blindness, a blindness to the things that God needs us to see. And uh, I think today that's why God wants us to pay attention to some things because he's going to let us begin to dream again, give us vision once again. You know, this is a new day. It's something very impactful today. I think it's a red letter day for us to pay attention to. So I want us to get ready to dream and have the vision that we need. So let's talk about a few things that are necessary to restore vision and the power of walking in it. So first, vision begins when we are led out of unbelief. It begins when we're led out of unbelief. Don't let that be just a passing little cute statement. Let's delve into that just a little bit. And I go back to the scripture we read and it says, you know, there was some people who were very excited that Jesus was there. They'd heard that he was a healer and they had a man that they really wanted to see. He had had sight at one point, some point in his life, he lost his sight. And uh, people who are sighted and then lose their sight still dream in pictures. However, as time goes by, they lose the ability to dream. So this guy was probably at that stage, but he had a memory of what life was like with sight, but they wanted him. You know, there's a stage in our life when people see us, you know, when we're young and we're full of life, full of vision, you know, we can do anything. We're children, we're innocent, we have so much passion, we're gonna be the president, we're gonna be an astronaut, we're going to create, we're gonna, all this stuff. And then as life goes on and reality come and punches us in the face and various people do too and different things happen to us and we lose our steam, we lose our vision and then we just come to the safe place of just being, I'm not gonna hurt myself so I'll just go into myself. And then people see that who, who believe in you and they wanna see you restored. So what do they do? You t- they take you to the youth pastor. <laughs> he will save you, he will change your life and they, they, take, <laughs> they, take, they take you to the church or somebody, fix him, he needs to have his eyes fixed. And I see these people that saw in this young man something that needed to be brought back to life. So they brought him to Jesus and they begged Jesus to heal him. And, uh, I, and just thinking about us, looking at you, and I have such high esteem for Antioch Church because I know your leaders. And I have this, um, this problem whenever I come here of looking you th- uh, at you all through a filter. Uh, I call it a Jaden Christie filter because I look at you and I go, I know them. So therefore there are 250 little thems all over this place. And then I raise, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. In reality, 
There's 250 people who are being crushed under the pressures of life and paying bills and being overcome by different things. And there's these battles and those battles. And oh my gosh, the things that can get in the way and crush dreams and everything. And so I come back to reality that, that, um, that there are in this place probably many unanswered questions regarding your paths, regarding your direction, regarding your circumstances, regarding your future, which still remain in your head, swarming around. Does anybody match that description? Are you afraid to raise your hand? But you said yes, so I assume that means it, right? Because we're people. You may not see the answer to all of those questions, but you have those questions. I want to know where to put my next step. I want to know what is going to be healthy for me and my family. What is going to be in the will of God? Should I do this? Should I go that way or this way? You may not see the answer to all those questions, but there's always that old cliche answer that God can give me the answer whenever he wants, wherever he wants. So I'll just wait patiently for him to give me the answer. That sounds good, but if that's the case, then why didn't Jesus heal the man right then and right there? Why not in the village? They took him to him, and he's right there, but it says, and then Jesus led him out of the village, took him out of that place. Why didn't Jesus just heal him right then, right now? God can do anything, right? Why not in the village? Matthew 10, excuse me, Another book of the Bible, Matthew 11, verse 20 through 21, says this about Jesus. And then he began to reproach the cities in which most of his deeds of power had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida, this village here. Woe to you, for if the deeds of power had been done, that had been done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. So why not in the village of Bethsaida? Because it was a cesspool of unbelief. People had seen the mighty power of God and the wonders of God. They've seen it all, but still remained unrepentant and unbelieving in Jesus. Jesus is there, but it didn't matter to them. He was raising the dead. He was healing people, open blind eyes. He was doing miracles, preaching the word of God with signs and wonders. Didn't matter to them. Still gonna stay where they were. So it was a placement that nurtures unbelief. So Jesus pulled him out of a region and environment that nurtures unbelief because he had some vision problems that were probably nurtured by the environment of unbelief. So he pulled him out of there. No, Jesus cannot give you answers that you crave if you're being nurtured by the unbelief of other people. Sometimes those people are your family, the closest ones. Sometimes they're the ones you've, you've been working with and, and ministering with and living with and sharing your life with for the last two, three, four, five, 15, 20, 30 years. I know I've experienced it on all levels. Perhaps they don't believe in the direction that you're called or the culture of you, that you embrace. I know that was a big one in my own family, especially when, uh, you know, when my own sons grew up and they didn't want to be the nice preppy little kids that we wanted, but they wanted to be punk rockers and <laughs> save the world through rock and roll and wear mohawks and put tattoos on their beautiful skin large portions of their beautiful skin. <laughs> it's a culture, and, and so you can... Perhaps they 
they don't believe in the thing that you're longing for. So what do we do? We have to let Jesus, let God pull us out of that unbelief saturated environment and nurture what it is that God is telling you, what that he's placed in you. That's the part where I think Jesus is saying, I'm gonna let you dream again today. I'm gonna let you dream again today. And it's hard to think that the ones that we share such affection with and so, so much connection with might actually be a part of our blindness because that feels insulting to them. No, it's not insulting. We all are responsible for our levels of revelation. We're all responsible for our faithfulness to that level of, of revelation and our honoring that revelation that Jesus has given us. We all are. If you think today that there are certain impossibilities in your life, in your job, in your family, in your health, etc., you need to be led into a different environment. You need to be pulled, drawn into a different environment. This is the season, or this is the reason that worship is so, so important to us. Worship. This morning, we experienced corporate worship together and we reinforced our revelations. Listen to what we said. We said, waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is what you are. We said it corporately together. You might sing it on your way home sometime during the week because it's stuck in your mind and everything, but then the pressures come and the thing, the unbelief, people around you and everything uh, come and they nurture that unbelief and, and no, you, you stay right where you are. Don't follow that dream. That's foolish, man. Don't leave that good paying job no, to go to another. You don't know what would happen if you go in that thing that you think you're supposed to do. And then you come back here and you go, way maker. That is who you are, faithful forever. That is who you will be. I will rest on your promises. My confidence is in your faithfulness. Even if I don't see you working, even if I don't feel it, you never stop working. We're reinforcing the dream, the vision, what God has said, reinforce it. That's why worship is so massively important to it. One thing I appreciate about Jade is that he has always led me out of unbelief. I've always believed in Jesus. Well, as long as, uh, you know, important, you know, I was a punk idiot a long time ago, didn't understand. But when I came, once I came to Jesus, you know, as a young kid, I've always believed him, but I believe more things now than I ever did then. And a large portion of that is because of this man here who pulled me out of unbelief time and time. I appreciate everything you've taught me, Jade. You've taught me so many stinking things. It's unbelievable. With his consistent love and friendship, believing in me when I was at my, my lowest. <laughs> so when you, you pulled me out of the village, pulled me out of the village, and when you get out of the village of unbelief, you find people that love what God is doing in your life. And they love where Jesus is leading you. When you get out of the village of unbelief, you find people who speak into your life and not just want to be spoken into by you. They want to speak into your life. That's a real important phrase for somebody here today. 
When we come out of the village of unbelief, we will find people who will speak into us and not just want to be spoken into. So that was first. Secondly, we must learn to go from humiliation to healing. We must learn to go from humiliation to healing. Listen, the acts that humiliate us seem so painful, but when they're from Jesus, they open our eyes. And you go, well, Jesus would never humiliate us. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Apparently you never got that intimate with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I still remember my aunt in her $500 dress from Neiman Marcus on that front row at that Pentecostal service. And Jesus said, let's just turn that thing into a dust ball right now. Slay! And there she goes and she's rolling around. (laughs) I loved it. I said, oh, Aunt Rosie, go, go. I love it. It was awesome. (laughs) I can still stay here standing up, rolling her eyes, go, and I hadn't even had any wine. (laughs) Oh, Aunt Rosie. Yeah, he will. Listen, humiliation is something we don't like. And I asked you earlier, how many of you have experienced the pain of humiliation and insult? Listen, Jesus spat in this guy's eyes. That's okay, guys on the front row. It was just a sound I was going to make. That's all. Listen, a blind man is in no position to see a loogie coming his way and dodge it. Unless he is keenly anointed by the Holy Spirit. Even if there is a warning... From somebody else, watch it, thy face is about to be besmirched by vile mouthfuls of spittle. (laughs) It's not going to prepare you very much. He literally was at his most vulnerable, blind, led by a stranger out of the place of his comfort and out of his way of doing things. And that's when most of our humiliation comes, when when we've made ourselves vulnerable to others when we've given trust to them in parts of our lives that uh, end up being used against us or turned on us or something like that. He quite literally never saw that thing coming. He was blind, but spit from Jesus' mouth ended up in his eyes. And I want you to think about those things that we talked about when we took our survey. Have you ever experienced certain things that have hurt and and humiliated you? You know, our natural tendency is to nurture those emotions, process them with this and try to get our heart connected. And that is a wrestling match that lasts sometimes months and months, even years. And during that time, we... especially if we're nurtured by unbelief, we can get in some very dark places and we can make some vows and we can make some judgments and we can make some uh, ugly statements and we can do some things. But I want us to just consider the fact 
especially if you're a child of God, especially if you surrendered to Jesus Christ, who knows the plans that he has made for you and he knows what he allows to come your way and he knows when something is going to bring eternal damage to your soul, he is able to block that and lead you in certain directions. Do you think that he would allow a humiliation to come that would not bring glory to him? I don't care how much of a target you have been, it turns into glory when you see it, not as a humiliation, but as something that came from Jesus. The blind, vulnerable man like this, just heal me. If you need to spit on me, spit on me. (laughs) Jesus, if you need to hurt me, if you need to let that man that is like my father turn on me and curse me in front of my staff, Jesus, let it come. I know that you're going to bring me. I'm just going to let you bring my dreams alive. Listen, I'm speaking to your and yours and my humility places, those places that we tuck the deepest. We don't talk about that. That's embarrassing. But when we let God bring us from humility to healing, then something takes place. The third thing we need to do is let God bring us from nearsightedness to precision vision. And then we protect that precision vision. You see, what Jesus did when he got him out of the place of unbelief, then he said, okay. And and then he says, what do you see? And then he goes, I see men as trees, which indicates that he had vision before because he knew what a tree was. He knew to compare. I see men as trees, but everything is so blurry. That's what they look like. I don't see. Trees are objects. He looked at men as objects. He saw people as things that are utility. And you see, when we're nearsighted, myopia, myopic, See, myopia, it means it's all about me. I can't see any further than just very close to me. And therefore, everything around me is simply about me and and me being protected from stuff out there. And everything is about, hey, lead me the right direction. Give me shelter from stuff. But you see, Jesus said, people aren't things. People are important. People matter. And you need to uh, be able to be involved with them. Let's just clear that vision just a little bit. And, uh, And he ended up, you see, the word myopia, nearsightedness, also is, besides that medical term of nearsightedness, it actually has become a, a, a term that means lacking vision and, and, uh, and intelligence. Now, that's one thing. Think about that. If Antioch is called to higher levels, are you going to get there with lack of vision or intelligence? Lack of sense. If you want to stay right here, yes, you're fine, but you don't. You want to go in your family, in your self, your personal relationship, and Antioch is a church. And so we've got to allow Jesus to help our vision of other people, have our, have our uh, a vision of understanding. And so he gave pristine vision to him. He said, okay, we're going to finish this up. Boom. And then what did he do? Then it said, and he, he refused to let him return to the village. So he said, now that this is done, don't go back to where your unbelief is nurtured. Don't go back. Don't go back. I appreciate that about this couple right here. They have not gone back. They've nurtured the revolution. revolution. <laughs> Amen. 
They've nurtured the, <laughs> the revelation that God has given them. And we're responsible for protecting our vision. I want to conclude with these words. Revelation comes in stages. Say that with me. Revelation comes in stages. And that is why we can't look on the face of God and live. If we tried to take that much in all at once, we could not physically be able to contain it. He gives us glimpses that we can handle, digest, and go to the next level. Our revelation, revelation, as I said earlier, begins when we are first led out of unbelief. That's the starting part. So are you ready to believe in some things? You're ready to go a little further. Are you ready for that? We are responsible to be faithful to our current revelation until God opens our eyes more and gives us the next revelation of him. And I like to think of it like this. God told Abraham, here's the revelation of God right now. I want you to take your son, your only son, take him up to that mountain and offer him as a sacrifice. That's the revelation of God. So the revelation that he had is he was faithful to with the sorrow in his heart. He said, but that's my God, my revelation of God. He will be pleased if I do this. So I'm taking my son. I'm going through these, this three-day journey. My heart is aching. Don't know what I'm going to tell his mom, uh, but I know that God will restore everything, whatever, because I trust in God. That's my revelation. He gets up there to the very last moment, binds his son, lays him on the altar, prepares it, has the fire. He's ready to light the fire. He's got the knife in hand. He raises up his hand. Why? Because he's nurturing and being faithful and honoring the revelation that he has right now. God will always give you the next revelation of him if you're faithful and don't let go of the revelation he gave you right now. Right now, your revelation might be, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. That might be it. He is savior. That might be all you know, but you be faithful to that revelation. And then he's going to let you know, oh, and I am also healer. I am also father. I am also faithful conqueror. I am also warrior priest. I am also lamb. I am also lamb. He's going to give you those things. And then he's going to say something like he did to Abraham. Oh, and by the way, I am provider. So do not strike the boy because here is the next revelation. I am the, on the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. Amen. I am Jehovah Jireh. He ended up with another revelation that affects us to this day. You be faithful with the revelation that God has given you and he will give you the next. Now, I wanna, after that conclusion of that message, I wanna speak to Jaden Christie. I couldn't wait for this. I just wanted to give you what God, and it's not dramatic or anything. I'm just gonna say it and then we'll turn it back over to you. Jade has come out of a village of unbelief and received his sight and he has honored that vision that God has given him. I was there when he began to do that. He was sitting on the front row like Marsha said, those five words, I'd been his youth pastor for about five or six months and it was like hitting a brick wall. The youth would not respond to anything and I was questioning my heart, what am I here for? And Jade on the front row and those words, I want to be broken, made a connection and for the first time, a tear showed up in this youth group. It was streaming down his face. He was leaning in. And that was the beginning of it. And I saw a transformation take place in not only the youth group but in, in, in his life, but in our relationship right here. So I was there. You've been faithful with what began on that seat right there in that youth room. You've been faithful to that, Jade. You've honored 
what he did right there. You've never, ever, ever turned your back on that. Never. He never turned, he never returned to the village. He's been faithful to protect himself from unbelief for 26 years. Because of that, you have allowed God to develop some very specific plans for you, your family, and your church. Some very specific plans for you, your family, and your church. Jaden Christie, this is what the Lord spoke to me so strong last night. You will see clearly your next dispensation. You will clearly see your next dispensation. That word dispensation means management and oversight of affairs. You will clearly see what the next stage of managing the affairs of God, which you will be trusted with, just like you have up to now. But the time for more is upon you. The season of more is upon you. Not because of, of being special, not because of works that you've done, but because of two words, honor and faithfulness. Honor and faithfulness. Your last 10 years have set you up for the next 10 years. Just as you have honored your previous revelations, and been faithful, not pretentious. God is going to give you, and these are the words he spoke this, uh, last night very strongly to me. God is going to give you precision vision for this decade. The word was precision vision, which means exact and accurate. Exact and accurate. Regarding those three things. Regarding your marriage, your family, and Antioch. So Father, in the name of the living God... Upon this mountain of revelation, upon this mountain of honor, upon this mountain of faithfulness and obedient, Father God, I lift up and uphold your servants, Jade and Christy Duncan. I lift up and uphold them as individuals, but Father, as a covenant team that's a marriage and a family, and I lift up the church that you've given them stewardship over faith. Uh, It's not faith point, but it's very connected to us. It's (laughs) Antioch. And I thank you, Lord God, for all that they've been faithful to and they've nurtured, Lord, that has led up to a time where you're going to say, now those seeds that have been planted in some long dormant will see the light of day as the living God will bring life, metamorphosis to them. They will light and they will, they will turn to fruit giving and strong uh, life. Father, I just speak that over this family and this church, and I give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Antioch Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, visit AntiochCOS.com.